0: You're listening to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller on philliesnation.com. What's going on everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Phillies Nation podcast. I'm your host Johnny Heller. Um coming at you not too much is happening. The Phillies might be interviewing some potential candidates for president of baseball operations, um some other other hires throughout the league. Um that we'll talk about a little bit and then you know just some of the usual off-season stuff because it's that time of the year. Some would say the greatest time of the year. Uh, as always I'm joined by my co-host Ty Daubert. Ty, what's going on?
1: Not much. You know like, like you said not a ton going on with baseball offseason stuff. It seems like the basketball moves are are the ones that are really coming in as of late. Baseball other than the blockbuster Drew Smiley deal with the Atlanta Braves. It's mostly just been a lot of front office talk for the most part. But, hey, that's fun to talk about, too. Not everything has to be big blockbuster trades and everything like that. So we'll get into it a little bit throughout this episode.
0: Yeah, you know, I've been thinking a lot, like you mentioned, you know, the NBA, it's like just – you know, they have the, the deadline and then, or, you know, the free agency period, obviously this, this was different because they had um, like a no trade period for a while. And then they started it up right before the draft. But um, I think like, I feel like baseball should explore um, maybe like free agency doesn't begin right after the season ends. And they, you know, I don't know, they put a date maybe at the winter meetings. I feel like that would make it more entertaining for fans and, because um, you get that flurry of of moves right as soon as the uh, the the period starts. I don't know. What, what do you think about that? More like the NBA and the NFL does.
1: Yeah, I think maybe something like that would work. I've seen the idea floated of like a deadline they have to sign players by. I don't like that. I, I don't. I don't think that would work. How people think it would go.
0: Oh, that would not work at all.
1: No, because then players Guys just wouldn't, just get, wouldn't signed. get signed. They just want to get signed. It would be bad. It would not work out well. Um, but yeah, I think pushing it back closer to the winter meetings and then all those moves get announced at once. I think that'd be pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Um but it is it is how it is now, and there's there's nothing we can do about it um until we're put in charge, which soon we'll see when that happens. Yeah. Um <clears throat> so in so a couple, like we mentioned, a couple uh, front office things happened this past week. Uh, the Marlins hired Kim Ng to be their... GM. GM, okay, right. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's a cool hire. It's the first female GM in, in um, you know... The, the, fir- four- the first
1: Asian-American woman to yeah, be hired the- in, in Major
0: League history. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think we should be giving um like major league baseball or the Marlins too much credit here. Kimming has been qualified for this position for years. And I think that and I hope that this will kind of get the ball rolling more for uh women to to get roles like this more throughout baseball. Um obviously it's a great hire and and it's it's you know it's good that it happened, but it happened too late. Um so instead of Applauding team, like teams and, and and the league for doing this. I think we should, you know, make sure it <laughs> it uh, gets the ball rolling. What do you think about the hire?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I saw some things like Major League Baseball's official accounts posting things uh, about it being a historic hire, and obviously it was. Like Kim Ang's hire was clearly historic, but did feel a little bit like patting yourself on the back for something you caused like you major league baseball are the reason and the systems you kind of have in place are the reason that there never has been a woman or an Asian American in a GM role. The systems you have in place are the reason for that and you are the reason that this is a historic hire because of the obstacles you put up for these kind of people. So yeah that that's kind of my thoughts on it. But obviously a,
0: a great hire a historic hire. Yeah, I mean it's it's really you look at her resume and you wonder like how how was she not hired well before? But in any case, she was hired. Um, a couple more uh, moves. So Steve Cohen's uh, purchase of the Mets became official. First thing he did, cleaned house. Um, so general manager gone. Brody Van
1: Brody Van Wagenen.
0: Yeah. Brody Van Wagen I don't know if the Phillies will hire him. I would uh lean towards probably not. <laughs> listen,
1: whenever you get the chance to hire a manager who lost the star player, I think you have to do it. Whenever listen when he lost when when they just released that they lost Gwenis Espetus during the season, that was I don't even yeah, know what a day that was.
0: Crazy. Um yeah, that was they they, I,
1: they brought out they brought Sandy Alderson back.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: To, right. I, I as team president or president of yeah, baseball operations. It's, it's unclear. Um It seems like he's kind of gonna do the Andy McPhail right. thing where he's gonna lead the he's gonna lead the way on the search for a new GM. Now, obviously people um, Mets fans might not want to hear the Andy McPhail comparison. Because people have certain thoughts about Andy McPhail, but I I think that's kind of the role—the established veteran executive—to come in and find the next wave of people to run the front office. Alderson was obviously with the Mets before during their uh, during their run in 2015, and, and things yeah, like
0: we'll that. see. We'll see. Uh, you know, I think a lot of the names that have been mentioned. Um, as, you know, potential GM or, or president of baseball operation candidates have been linked to both the Mets in the Phillies, so we'll get into that a little bit. Um, <clears throat> one more thing before we get into the Phillies, uh, Perry Manazian, who's an uh, assistant GM for the Braves, got hired by the Los Angeles Angels, um, which, you know, that move and the, the Marlins hiring their GM. All just go to show that people are willing to uproot themselves, even in the midst of a pandemic, if it means they're becoming like a GM or a president of a baseball operations. So, in case you know any unnamed people weren't were sure if 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 they were willing to do that. Um, <laughs> but on that note, uh, Jason Stark of the Athletic at the end of last week um, uh, reported that the Phillies are actually starting interviews on for the position of president of baseball operations um so uh, the the
1: way the way the report came out it seemed like they were looking at kind of bigger names that that's what they were searching for kind of a not not up-and-coming people like maybe clintak was when they hired him but more established names for a president or gm role
0: yeah and that that makes sense in terms of what we thought they were going to do uh we, we talked about it when um that stepped step down. It's the same thing as the the manager search after they fired Kapler. You know, I, I think generally teams will go from one extreme to the other um, if if something doesn't work. So uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, there are there are a lot of names out there. I know John Heyman um, mentioned Eric Neander that they might be interested in him. Um, we'll see. Uh, he hasn't really said if he wants to. Um, or he hasn't indicated, I don't think, uh, this was from Kent Rosenthal Rosenthal, the athletic that he wants to leave the Rays. but he's a name that Phillies fans have talked about a lot. Uh, Destiny Lugardo, of Phillies Nation wrote an awesome article detailing why they should go after someone like him. Um, I think Stark mentioned like Chris Antonetti, guys like that in his article. Um, Mike Hill. Right, yes. Uh, Mike Hill, Marlins, uh, former... Uh, president of Baseball Operations. So, I mean, it, it seems like they're casting—not casting a wide net, but there are there are a lot of names out there um, that might make sense. And I don't think I would be surprised that they would hire. Um, do you? Do you? Is there anyone who sticks out to you that you think um, you've any inclination? I, that I they think Hill. Enter?
1: I think Hill did a good job with the Marlins. Obviously, they made the postseason this year for the first time in a very long time, and that was kind of him putting together a pretty solid team. And, you know, who knows what happens in a full season? They probably don't make the playoffs, to be honest. But he put together a pretty good team. And he, during that, he probably knew he was on his way out, that he really wasn't part of the front office that Derek Jeter would want to assemble. So I, I think that's somebody you have to take a look at. He's acquired a lot of good young arms over the last few seasons and the Marlins look to be on the come up. So I, I think that could be a, a pretty good option for the Phillies, somebody to interview and potentially hire.
0: Yeah, um, I agree. And, and he, you know, he got some really talented players, even though the Marlins didn't make the playoffs for a while, there were some really, really talented players that went through that organization. Um, think of guys like Jose Fernandez and, 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 uh, John Carlos Stanton and Christian Yelich and Marcelo Zuna, they had they had the, a, a solid core there and, and maybe if they spent money, things would have gone differently, but um, let's move on. So yesterday, uh, President of Baseball Operations for the Chicago Cubs, Theo Epstein, stepped down. Um, he was, his contract was ending after the season and he was expected to, you know, leave after This season, anyways. Um, So I don't know if it was a big surprise that he stepped down, Um, but you know he he wrote like a memo to his friends and and colleagues that said that he wants to take the year off. Um, Obviously, he's already been linked to the Phillies. Um, Bruce Levine of uh, a a Chicago radio station, um, I think six seventy, tweeted yesterday that the Phillies are going to aggressively pursue him, but who knows. Um, do you have do you have any thoughts?
1: It kinda seems like he's gonna go on the Billy Bean route of retiring from baseball operations and maybe going in like the team upper management kind of venture capitalist route. They I, I think I saw a report from Bob Nightingale that maybe Theo would get involved with the potential Nashville expansion team. I I don't know if there's I don't know if that's true just a possibility. So it kind of kind of seems like he would maybe be in, invested in or be trying to invest in teams, maybe an ownership stake as opposed to just being a a general manager or president of baseball operations.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um and we'll see, you know, if that if that holds up if that's what he ends up doing. Um I wouldn't be surprised if even if he waits a season, if he just accepts another role as as president of baseball operations, and maybe maybe he gets some ownership in a team, a little bit of stake too. Um, but I, I maybe you know maybe he's not going to wait a year. But if he does, I saw some some people on Twitter suggesting that the, he would be worth waiting for for the Phillies. Maybe if they weren't you know where they are now, and that they have a core of players in. Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins and Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler, who are all really in their primes right now. I I don't think it's wise to waste a year of these guys. Yeah, we we've said it a million times on this on this pod.
1: Like their time to win is now. That that's where their core is at, and they need somebody right now to figure out how they're going to add to this core. And they have a huge decision coming up on J T Realmuto on whether to re-sign him or how they're going to replace him. And I think having having someone in charge that isn't going to oversee the next four years after that or so, I don't think that's the smartest move. If you're, would you not want the person you see running your team long term making that decision? Like even if you're just worried about that that decision alone, only J T. Realmuto, wouldn't you want the future of your organization making that decision?
0: Yeah, exactly. And and you know, I think obviously Theo, Theo Epstein, he's won. he broke curses in uh Boston and Chicago and and all of that. There are other really good candidates out there right now. Um the Phillies could the try to with,
1: The thing with, with Theo also is obviously he is the curse breaker. He's he he's the king of breaking curses. But he also both places he's been when he left uh, they won world series um obviously but they weren't great situations when he left like the cubs are not looking great right now the red Sox had that fried chicken that was, eating incident
0: and all there and was some the pictures in, are... incredible content from the red Sox over those couple of years with uh who's the manager The Mets. Valentine. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Everyone hated him. Um, And then they won a World Series again in 2013, which is crazy. Um, But, yeah. I mean, I don't really care. Like, I think the goal of sports is to win championships. Obviously, you want to be able to sustain that, um, you know, in in an altered dimension. Maybe the Cubs went back to the World Series the next year. Like, he put together teams that went to the playoffs You know, several years in a row. No, yeah, I
1: agree. It's just like, we use a, a lot of people say like, "Oh, you can't hire Dave Dombrowski. Look at all, look at the situation that he left all his teams in." And then Theo Epstein, it's not too dissimilar. Like the Cubs are, they're going to trade away some of the best players in their team's history because they're just kind of a mess right now. That's what's going to happen. They're going to trade Baez. They're probably going to lose Bryant soon. I saw
0: like, him listed as a non-tender candidate. <laughs> I
1: don't don't think that one's too likely.
0: They might might trade both of them, though. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, you know what
1: I mean? Like, obviously, Theo did a good job putting together a World Series championship team. Like, one of the biggest stories in sports of all time. But a few years later, just a few years later, it's not looking as great. And, you know... I'm not calling him Dave Dombrowski. Like they aren't, they don't value the same things, but I think we have to be a little bit con- more consistent with how we, we view some of these. examples. Right, and it, I
0: mean, it's also just like realizing how, how impossible in any sport it is to sustain success. Like how many teams are able to go back to the playoffs every single, we've seen the Dodgers do that this decade. No yeah, one else and has done they were, that.
1: The Dodgers have been the best team in the National League for like 10 years. And up until last month, they were like considered losers. Their thing was that they are losers, that they lose. All they do is like have good seasons and then lose. It's just how this works sometimes. It's not a guarantee that you're going to win the World Series every year. I obviously am aware of that.
0: And it's very, very difficult to win a World Series, right? Exactly, it, which is why you hire guys who can do it. Um, Theo, one guy, I think. I think, and I'm not saying anything anyone hasn't said before, but I think if you're going to hire ne- someone now, um, I think you just go to you know a guy like Chris Antonetti, a guy like Eric Neander, someone who is in a smart organization and knows what they're doing. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what they do. Um, hopefully, I, I think it, it looks like things are going to pick up there within the next couple of weeks.
1: But. Yeah, it feels like, I, just like, what were they waiting for, though? That right.
0: They,
1: what? <laughs> what were they waiting for? It doesn't, <laughs> like, teams are, I, I don't know. I don't get them sometimes. Yeah. I They also don't really leak anything ever. That's kind of the thing with them. Things uh come out of nowhere. So maybe they have been doing this for a little while and nobody really knew. I guess that's a possibility. But from the outside, it does seem like, you were thinking on this for a really long time.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, moving on. So, as I said, we're going to get into some more off-season-y topics here, uh, the latter half of the of the episode. And um, next thing I wanted to talk about was, uh, so I, I wrote an article, hasn't been uh, put on, on philliesnation.com yet, but looking at some former Phillies who, you know, didn't play for the Phillies last year. I played for them in the past. Um, who might make sense to, like, you know, who who are free agents and whether or not they make sense uh, to return to the Phillies this offseason. So we'll start by talking about some of the the position players. Uh, First guy we should talk about, I think, is Freddie Galvis. Shortstop. um, Came up in 2012, played here through the 2017 season. Didn't really get a ton of playing time until Rollins left, which was after 2014. But um, I think, like... A lot of people loved Galvis, and a lot of people hated Galvis. I'm talking about, like, Phillies fans. Um, He's pretty good defensively. Not not a great hitter. A little bit of pop. A little bit of pop, and... You've um, all
1: seen the the Chapman walk-off. You've all seen it. Yeah. You know he has some
0: pop. Yeah, and he's been a better hitter the past two seasons since since they traded him. Um,
1: Yeah, he's he's been,
0: been a little... Like, he...
1: He became a kind of a a, like a power hitter like he wasn't early on in his career. Not that he's gonna hit 40 homers, but he has some pop. He really does. Yeah,
0: Yeah. uh he was outpacing Bryce Harper through like the first three and a half months of the 2019 season, which was like a really funny bit for people like the Phillies just signed up. For (laughs) people, do you mean for you? It was a funny bit for you. (laughs) All right, you know, maybe, maybe. Um Uh, I I don't think he'll cost much of anything. I don't I don't think he's a guy a team wants to like a playoff hopeful team would like hope to sign. But and you know my fellow host Ty Daubert recently wrote an article about Bryson Stott. Check it out on PhilliesNation.com. Bryson Stott might be ready relatively soon. So if they just want to sign a one year stopgap kind of guy, I think Alvis might make sense.
1: Yeah, I think that I I don't see it happening. For sure or anything but he's somebody they could look at I think they would probably want somebody if they're going in on a one year now let, let me kind of rephrase if they keep real Muto I think that Galvis is more likely but if they don't keep real Muto and then they can't keep or don't keep Gregorius I think somebody like Simeon or even Simmons is more likely Angelton Simmons I think that's more likely somebody a little bit better than Galvis
0: yeah, I, I agree with that to a point. I don't think either of those guys are taking a one year deal because the, I think Simeon could because he was pretty right. bad last year. I think he would want to do the Gregorius thing. We'll see. I think I, I don't know how much players take like future free agent classes into account, but you know, if Simeon takes one year deal and, and plays the same way he does this year. You know, uh, there's a, one of the best free agent classes of all time all at the shortstop position next year. So I don't know that maybe those guys are, are more open to taking a two or three year deal. And I don't know if the Phillies are going to want to give it to your three, two or three year deal when, or if they are as high on stat as we might think. So we'll see. Um, but another guy, another middle infielder who was a Philly through the 2019 season. Um, uh, Cesar Hernandez. Uh, he played pretty well for the Indians. It was just like he was a, good. He was like good, a, man a good hernandez year he he hit lead off a little bit hit second a little bit um he won the gold glove which you know we all watch cesar hernandez he was solid except for the times that he forgot how to field which did happen more than once um but it's it, it was kind of surprising to see that he won a gold glove yeah
1: i mean i don't know is it like you can't really eye test defense as much as people like to think they can it's tough to tell like You can eye test everything. It's tough to tell like how good somebody's range is sometimes, especially in – it was a, a small, uh, small sample size season, so it, it, it doesn't surprise me that he had a good stretch of 60 games at second base. Like, that's not shocking to me. I guess that kind of goes down last year as a pretty bad non-tender, especially considering mm-hmm. how Kingery well, played.
0: All right. all right, here's the thing. I don't think it's a bad, I knock. think the,
1: the process was good. It just didn't
0: yeah. turn out. And, and I think it ended up fine because really what happened, they didn't really have great production from center field, which is somewhat unrelated, um, unless you want Kingery in center field, but Segura played awesome at second base. Gregorius was a really good signing and Boehm, maybe you can't feel it all that well, but he was a big reason they were in it through the end. So Hey, process.
1: Hernandez played center field in, like, 2013. <laughs> they sent him down to A to go get work in, in yeah. center field. He came back
0: up and played center. Yeah. Galvis could play the outfield, too. Roman Quinn can play shortstop. People forget that. But uh, so, like, on that, though, I think the, the way the Cesar Hernandez signing would make sense is if they were I, – I really don't see this happening, especially since they just moved on from him – He would be like a a a really good option. Like we said, he had a a great year last year, and we like anyone who watched him. He's a good player. He would be he would be a downgrade from Gregorius, who he he would essentially be replacing. But like, he's still a solid part of the lineup. Could hit leadoff when McCutcheon needs a day off. He's
1: just like, boringly good, and has been for his whole career. He's so boringly good.
0: Right. And the the way you sign him, you sign him. You move Gene Segura back to shortstop. I don't know if they want to do that after he was really good at second base and not great. He wasn't bad at shortstop in, in 20, uh, 2019, but this will be two years later, you know? So, but but um,
1: the thing is he was great at second base and he has been before, I think 2016 with Arizona, but they, I think they knew he would be great at second base and they have still kind of insisted on Scott Kingery playing second base a lot. So who really, who really knows if, having Segura at second is any kind of
0: priority. That's true. Um, So then, you know, if if you put Segura at shortstop, Cesar Hernandez at second base, you either slot Kingery into a super utility role, which might make sense right now. I think that's his best role. I think so, yeah. That's probably what he is at this point. Yeah, Um, he really had one good stretch in in 2019, and outside of that has been one of the worst position players in baseball. maybe he plays a lot of center field for you. He slots in wherever when a guy needs a day off, he can really play any position outside of, you know, one, two, and three. So, um, we'll see. Hey, he uh, play-
1: come on, come on. He played, one. You uh, know he, he played one.
0: He did. He did. He he can pitch. He can pitch for you if you need him in a pinch. Um, so one, one last position player to talk about, um, the unofficial King of multi-homer games. Some would say, uh, spent one year with the Phillies 2019, Brad Miller, um, so the Cardinals signed him this past offseason to a 2 million dollar deal. Ended up obviously being less than that because of the shortened season. Um I think he had three multi three more multi-homer games. Um he played he he was a DH for the most part, played a little bit of of third base and then like played like a game each at shortstop and second base. Uh I so I think he makes sense for the Phillies if there's a DH, which by the way, what the heck is going on? We're like a Few weeks into the offseason, teams are signing players. We don't know if there's going to be a DH in the NL.
1: This is like more egregious than not knowing the playoff system until the first game of the season. I don't, know if, it's, I
0: don't know if it's more egregious, but it's, it's more, definitely egregious.
1: Like, it's definitely more egregious. It's, it's teams are signing players and they don't know if their position will exist,
0: right? Yeah, so. Really, I don't know if there's a spot for for Miller on the roster if there isn't a DH because you wouldn't get a ton of playing time, and I think he's proven over the last two seasons that he's good enough to get playing time. If, um,
1: if there is a DH, just imagine Jay Bruce on the Phillies last season, but instead it's somebody younger, healthier, and probably overall better. That that's kind yeah. of what Brad I mean. Miller you get is.
0: a little more versatility. I don't. Did Miller play a little bit of corner outfield for them? Yeah, he played left field for them. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, Bruce was good in left
1: field last year. Like, weirdly always, good. <laughs> but I, I think if you look at the numbers, like, he always has been kind of decent in the yeah. outfield. Which
0: is just, it's just surprising. He seems just, he's like, slow. he looks big.
1: like he should be really slow.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and he
1: probably is. I, right, like, I he, can't imagine he's actually fast or anything. Yeah,
0: yeah but, uh, I mean, do you have any thoughts on Miller? I think he, he makes perfect sense. He can play third if you want to DH, boom. He can DH. He can play... Maybe play second. I don't know. Play a little bit of corner outfield. Uh,
1: you any anyone who's listened to this show before, anyone who's followed me on Twitter or read my work, you know my thoughts already. They should have never never let him walk. He was too good. In like the last week of 2019, he just went off. It was insane. He was insanely good. Like you said, the king of multi homer games, Brad Miller. They should have never let him walk. He's too good. He's he is just like the greatest bench player of all time but it's just like a good starter that that's his role and somebody somebody like that is always destined to become a folk hero if you could just come off he already is he already is then you add the bamboo you add the bamboo yeah
0: the the tongue out on the homer i guess and that's like no batting
1: no batting gloves
0: yeah yeah He has has all the makings of like a a playoff hero, if the Phillies ever make the playoffs, something like that. But yeah, um, so moving on to some uh, pitchers who are available, who used to play for the Phillies. We'll start with the most obvious one, and that's Cole Hamels. Obviously, he spent his first 10 years of his career here in Philadelphia and then uh, was traded to the Texas Rangers. Um, and then at some point flipped to the Chicago Cubs and then became a free agent and signed with the Atlanta Braves um, this past offseason for, I think, a $18 million deal over one year, which um, seemed a little bit steep at the time. And, and he only pitched in one game. He dealt with some uh, a tricep injury and then pitched in one game and then had a shoulder injury. Um He's thirty six, going to be thirty seven next season. Do you have any thoughts, preliminary thoughts, on if the Phillies should explore signing Cole Hamels?
1: They should not sign Cole Hamels. They need more of a sure thing. It would be cool. It it would be a cool story. I, I think that people, fans, would really like it. I think, I think Hamels would also like coming back, but I just don't think it'll. I don't think it would work out. Older pitchers get injured you saw it last year with Hamels. You saw it the year before with Hamels, uh, injuries. They, they hurt older pitchers and unless it was a really small contract, I don't think it would be worth it.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I think there are a lot of solid options out there to be your, maybe not even your fifth starter, but like your third or fourth starter, um, they're, they're replacing Jake Gary out of here. So um, they can definitely upgrade the rotation at not too high of a cost.
1: And the, the rotation for two of the last three seasons was really good. Yeah. Like people kind of sleep on that. And if right. you can, if you can replace Arietta and get any kind of upgrade, I think that is like probably a big strength of your team.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think I, I like if it's, if it's cheap, maybe, maybe he doesn't find like uh the deal he wants and maybe he only gets like three million dollars then I, I think i would be in on him at that price um because yeah, i can see it you know he's for the most part he's like still a solid pitcher i mean ho- you would hope he could stay healthy and and it's definitely a risk um so i think they should probably look elsewhere i know fans would love it and all that i understand that um playoff hero was here for <laughs> forever but I just, I don't see it making sense for for where they are right now. Um, yeah, so uh, another guy, another former starting pitcher, um, only pitched in four games as a Philly, uh, Charlie Morton. So they traded for him before the 2016 season, um, gave up practically nothing uh, to the Pirates for him. He, he came to the Phillies, he was thrown 97 miles per hour, and then he got hurt after four starts, in which he looked pretty good. Uh, and then he went on to go the Astros uh, and then the Rays, two years at each organization, finished third in the Cy Young voting in 2019, um, and really overall has turned into one of the better pitchers in all of baseball. Uh, he is known as Mr. Game 7. Uh, people forget that. I don't know if he's known as that, judging by Ty's face.
1: Who calls but, him that? I mean, like, he's pitched he is. many Game 7s, but...
0: I don't know some don't know maybe maybe just maybe just Johnny Heller know him as as Mr. Game 7. He's been clutch in the in the playoffs. He he pitched Game 7 of the World Series when the Astros won, right? Yeah, he closed it out. Yeah. Yeah. He's you know, Mr. Game 7. Yeah, uh, he's, he's righty mad bum some some argue. Um <laughs> uh but anyways, he I think makes a lot of sense for the Phillies depending on the price. I think we mentioned at the top of the episode that Drew Smiley signed with the Braves for $11 million. I think that probably means Morton's going to get north of $15 million. That's just a guess. I don't know. The Smiley, like, honestly, though,
1: might be the next Morton. Like, not even all, all bits aside and everything. Like, there are a lot of parallels with Smiley and Morton with, with you know, kind of coming up and being pretty highly touted I believe when they were younger coming up and just kind of being soft tossers and then they have a season in which they were injured but when they did pitch they threw like a lot harder than they had throughout their whole careers and then team takes a bet on them and they go out and I mean we'll see with Smiley but in Morton's case he one of the better pitchers in baseball the last couple seasons I think we could see something like that with Smiley if his stuff that he showed in 2020 is
0: legit. He, he was throwing like 96. He was throwing like 96. Like, yeah, People forget that the Phillies discovered Charlie Morton um, and then let him go. And down. Drew Smiley. I was going to say, and maybe they did the same with Drew Smiley. Um, Gabe Kapler knew that's, that's all I'll say about that.
1: Looked a little bit like Cliff Lee out there. <laughs>
0: yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah. I think like replacing Arietta with someone like Morton just, it makes this team so much better.
1: But is is Morton even going to play this year? I know he's. Talked well, that's about the retirement. thing. That's... I don't think he would. I don't think he would leave the Rays. To be honest, I think he's kind of happy where he is, and he will retire if the Rays don't offer him a competitive contract.
0: Yeah, that's that's that is definitely something to think about. Um, there I mean, reports... being on
1: a being on a team that. Uh, the Phillies being a team he's played for before, maybe that helps their case. Well, I think doesn't I, his does,
0: is it his family? Don't they live in like Delaware? I, I I remember that. I remember that from from the last time he was a free agent, and everyone thought he the Phillies should have signed him, which they should. Have. They absolutely should have. Um, yeah, I there there was a report I don't remember from who um that said he like he's not. He doesn't care as much about the money in a deal as he does like going to the right spot. Um, and I don't know if the Phillies would be the right spot for him, just based on the the kind of um directionless direction that they <laughs> they are going right now. Who knows if they're a playoff contender next year? Um, but we'll see. I think I think they should throw money his way and and see what happens because he's really good. Um one one last pitcher. Um a guy who came up with the Phillies. Throws harder than any other Phillies pitcher ever. Not maybe not actually. Like Billy Wagner probably threw harder than him. But uh, Ken Giles, hundred miles,
1: hundred miles, Giles,
0: hundred miles, Giles. uh, You know he's yelled at a pitching coach. He's yelled at a manager. He's punched himself in the face. Um, And now he's getting Tommy John surgery. So or he he got it at the end of the season. So really, like signing Giles, you would be. It's it's similar to the idea of. you know, going to arbitration with with Sir Anthony Dominguez and getting him a contract. You or you know, and the, it's
1: kind of similar to what teams might do with uh, Canley from the Yankees,
0: right? And what the what the Padres did with Mike Clevenger. Um, so ideally, uh, if you're going to sign someone like Giles, you would give him a two two year deal. Um, you're paying him the first year to not play, and then you're paying him the second year. And hope hope he uh, is really good. Um, what do you think about about signing giles this offseason um
1: i don't think they'll do it because
0: they're going to
1: is he going to pitch this season at all no this upcoming i don't season? think i don't think he's supposed to. it was like
0: late september that he got hurt
1: yeah then i then he he probably won't be i don't think they'll do it just because of that if they plan on keeping payroll down i, I don't think they'll spend uh, on a pitcher that's not going to pitch for them this year canley might pitch or probably will pitch Later this season, so I think that would be a little more likely. I don't see it with with Ken Giles. Another Philly that maybe could uh, Lord Jeremy Hellickson out of retirement.
0: Recently retired, Philly's legend is uh, is Aaron Harang pitching anymore? Out there could pitch. <laughs> Fun fact: I did see Aaron uh, someone uh, in a grocery store by like Temple's campus in an Aaron Harang jersey, which I just had to like. Who who watched Aaron Hrank pitch and was like
1: <laughs> Didn't he have a couple good starts for yeah, the Phillies? Yeah. And everyone's like, maybe they're gonna trade. Maybe trade are for over value. By the trade by the trade deadline. It was like ah, Well, all right, all right. Here's a
0: here's like a legitimate like kind of it would it would wow people, but a, a tiny chance it could happen is is Vance Worley this off or that during the season, there were videos of him throwing bullpench, sh- throwing like 98 miles per hour. You know, maybe he's developed a little bit of a cutter, maybe he, you know. Pitches for the Phillies. Take a flyer or, on him. A
1: renaissance of sorts. Yeah. I think they put, should bring him back.
0: Put the glasses on, see what happens. You know? Pitchers
1: with glasses, you know this is my thing. Maybe it's <laughs> because I wear them. Pitchers with glasses are pretty much always really
0: good. Yeah. When, I when Ty, once I put those glasses on on the mound and threw, threw the knuckleball, there, no one was hitting him. Like,
1: No, pitchers with glasses, <laughs> though, they, they're almost guaranteed to be good. I mean, you ever see Major League? Exactly.
0: There, that's, I mean, that's all the proof you need. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. It, it should be an interesting off season overall. It'd be cool, I think, if they were to bring, like, anyone back, um, any former Philly back. Um, on that note, though, uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Phillies Nation podcast. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Next week, I doubt there will be that much that happens between this week and next week only because it's kind of a holiday weekend-ish. Um, but maybe, maybe something will, Um, and if not, we'll have plenty to talk about because it is Jimmy Rollins month. So maybe we'll do a little special Jimmy Rollins episode. Uh, Talk to you next week. You can listen to the Phillies nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller every Wednesday on philliesnation.com and all streaming services.